Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by winning. Because winning feels good. And it's good for everyone. It's healthy for us. It's healthy for the Niners. It's healthy for the faithful. It's healthy for the Goldcast Nation. Wouldn't you agree, Ray? I would agree 110%. I would agree 15 to 14. I would agree 15 14 too. So let's get more winning at a game near you. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know where they can find us? You can like us at facebook.com slash the goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the goldcast underscore. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the goldcast, including Instagram at the goldcast. Follow, subscribe, leave reviews, leave comments. It all helps spread the word if you like what you hear. Give us constructive feedback if you want to hear something different or hear something better. But Boom. scratch that last part because there is nothing better. <laughs> there is nothing better, Ray. All right, here we go. The debut, the long-awaited debut of Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G! It's here. We're going to talk about it after the, after the intro. Let's get busy. Gold cast. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. Boom! Here we are. Welcome to the Gold Cast. You're here, and like us, you're a San Francisco homer. Seven championship appearances in seven years. Giants dynasty. On the verge of a Warriors dynasty. But today, today it's all about one team and one quarterback. San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Welcome to the Gold Cast. Raymond, final score in Chicago. 15-14. to 14. We see the long-awaited debut of Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, first of all... Let me break it down for you like this, and then I want to hear you. I was like a kid at Christmas this whole weekend leading into this. You know, we had our reservations. We talked about it last week. We had our, our reservations about this. But then it was announced that on, on Wednesday, he, they were, or Tuesday, they said it was going to be announced Wednesday. It was announced on Tuesday that they were going forward with Jimmy G, and they were going to do it. So like any 49er faithful, I just got pumped and got into it and said, let's make it happen. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's, let's do this. So this morning... I woke up at like 9 a.m., bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like ready to go. I was like a kid at Christmas. So I'm like, let's go. Let's go. Got dressed. Got all my gear on. My wife and I, we went down to, uh, went down to the parlor here in Los Angeles, watched, watched the game, and it was awesome. i still concerned about the, the, our inabilities to turn all of those red zone uh, all of us, all those times in the red zone into touchdowns, but the confidence, the poise, the accuracy, seeing downfield, always, always hitting, always hitting a receiver that was open and beyond ten yards. That was fantastic, and something we hadn't seen, something we cl- complained a lot about with Brian Hoyer, especially in the first half of the season. You had some excellent breakdowns about it, but in general. I just saw a poise and a confidence and a calm and a level of accuracy that I I haven't seen 
from from Alex Smith to now, I haven't seen a single quarterback that had that that level. And for for one game and one intro, I was very impressed, Raymond. But you are the greatest analyst in the game. So why don't you break down break down your feelings after the announcement and then going into this game and then what you saw? Well, C.J. Beathard was injured, so that's the main reason why he's in there. It wasn't like a executive decision to you know, do something to shake up the team. Steve Beathard got injured. He had an MRI on Monday. They even pulled up a quarterback from the practice squad because he couldn't, he couldn't practice. So by default, Jimmy G gets his shot. I thought if we lost, he would get a shot anyways. Turns out that injury has kind of propelled him into this position, which was inevitable. So I'm fine. I was fine with it. Um, it actually made a little bit more sense because now I feel a little bit better about CJ because I know he was doing good and working his ass off. And sometimes it's hard to see a guy to just get benched, not necessarily for, for doing anything particularly wrong, but just because, you know, circumstances have forced him to the bench because an investment was made for a, you know, a better player. And so, um, I was, I was happy with the way it turned out because this makes more logical sense to me. And I feel like, you know, this is something that CJ Beathard is not going to hurt his confidence. It's not going to mess with his, with his progress because this was, you know, he's the situation he's in is as a result of, you know, the nature of the game. So that part, uh, that's how I felt about the announcement. But once we actually got to the field and I got to see him, the main thing that really stood out to me is actually a few things, but and I'll get to it. So I'll start. I'll start with the the couple of things, and I'll end with the main thing that really stood out to me. So number one, very calm in the pocket, um, much like C.J. Beathard. C.J. The only difference is C.J. is a rookie. Jimmy G. is on his fourth year. Super calm in the pocket. Doesn't seem to be bothered by the rush, by pressure at all. Can flush to his right. Can flush to his left. Can step up. You know, he is very polished in his pocket awareness, you know, knows exactly what's coming from what side. You know, there was that one play when he kind of held on to the ball too long. And then, like, it, it seemed it was a little odd. I was like, wow, it seemed like he held it on too long. I was like, why, why didn't he just throw it away? And he took that really deep sack. He's only sacked twice today. So not a whole lot of pressure that was allowed. I mean, there was, there was breakdowns in the pocket, but he always found ways to keep the play going. He keeps his eyes downfield. Another thing that I saw that really stood out from Jimmy G. And also goes through his progressions. There was lots of times where the coverage was there. This is a passing defense that's 12th in the NFL. You know, they're middle of the road. You know what I mean? So they're not terrible, but they're not great either. So they're going to they're gonna bend, but they're not going to break all the time. And even though you, you might be able to say that when you look at the score sheets showing, showing that we were 5 for 5 on field goals, didn't get any touchdowns, those a lot of those red zones were self-inflicted more, more so than – the Bears defense not bending or I'm sorry, not breaking. So, but going back to Jimmy G, the main thing that really stood out to me was accuracy. His ball location was absolutely impeccable. He, his third down conversion for a guy that's only been studying the playbook for a little over a month, five weeks, and has just now gotten his first week of first team reps in preparation for this game. He seemed to be throwing to Trent Taylor and Marquise Goodwin as if they've been doing it all season. It was it was like a you know glove and hand in a glove type of fit, and I I was I was I was that's what I thought was so impressive. I was like wow, the his ability to just connect with receivers and really kind of put the ball where it's supposed to be based on the designed route. 
that to me was, I mean, he, he just knew exactly what to do, when to do it and how to do it. And I was just like, whoa, big difference between somebody who's been studying one of the best passers in the NFL and Tom Brady and has had four years to do so and now getting his first shot to kind of showcase what he's learned versus, you know, C.J. Beathard, a first-year rookie coming out of Iowa. So a very stark, stark difference. Completed 70% of his passes. You know, C.J. and Brian Hoyer were hovering around the 50s. So it was hit and miss. Whether And some of that was obviously drop passes. No drop passes today. No drop with the exception of of Carlos Hyde. No receiver, no designated receiver dropped a pass today. So that was also a huge, huge thing today. So Marquis Goodwin's had his best game, his career day, actually, most receptions. Trent Taylor was huge on third down conversions. That was the other thing. Third down conversions. We were 10 for 18, 55%. That's better than we've done all season long to convert 10 third downs. I mean, how many times four of them was to Trent Taylor alone? So... The fact that he was able to really convert and keep drives going against a defense that's 12th in the NFL, that's hovering around top 10, that's pretty darn impressive. You know, because this is Vic Fangio, even though he doesn't have the same group that he had with us in, in San Francisco, he does know defense and he is a good defender. And he doesn't like to blitz a lot, which means he likes to have extra men out there in the backfield in double coverage and free safeties and strong safeties roaming around to give extra coverage, to force the quarterback to, to, to A, give his defenders extra time to get a sack, a uh, coverage sack, and to kind of for, challenge the quarterback to, hey, you need, if you need, if you want to pass against us, you better thread that ball or your guy better have, you know, lightning feet to beat our guys. Cause that's kind of the game that Vic Fangio plays. He doesn't like to blitz, he likes to defend, depend on his rushers to do their job and also drop extra men into coverage to make passing, cause passing is harder than running. So I understand the concept uh, of Vic Fangio's scheme. And Jimmy Garoppolo made them pay, you know, nearly 300 yards. I know he had the pick that was more like a strip, but, you know, and he will get touchdowns. That's obviously a given. It, it's, it was the self-inflicting wounds that really prevented Jimmy from getting those opportunities for the most part. So, you know, as, as long as that can get cleaned up with – by next week, you know, we'll have a, a good shot. And, you know, I'll obviously get into next week as we get down to the preview. But um, Jimmy G, man, just a huge difference. I mean, you it's hard not to be excited as a 49er fan after watching that performance today. Would you not agree? I was so pumped after. I thought he completely lived up to the hype. I was like, damn, this guy is good. This guy's really, really good. I'll tell you who's a great barometer is my wife. My wife knows nothing about football, okay? She knows nothing at all about football. And so she she sat there. She watched the whole game with me, the whole beginning and end. She knew I was really excited. So she you know, she was all decked out in her Niner gear. She was at, she was at the, at the bar, sports bar with me, and she watched every play. And I think this is really interesting. Someone who's she, she seen, you know, she sat through many games with me. She said, you know, man, she's like, that guy's really accurate. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. She goes, I feel like most of the time when I watch 49er quarterbacks, they're like scrambling in the background and they like they like make these crazy desperation plays while they're like, while they're like getting hit. And she's like, he, he didn't do that at all. He just seems so calm back there. He's really accurate. <laughs> and I thought that was really telling as someone who like sees no football, like who, who, who understands very little about football, like just those basic those basic impulses and the difference between the two quarterbacks, like she's like, I kind of always see this guy scrambling, and I this guy's not, mm-hmm. you know, and like this guy's mm-hmm. just hitting all these plays. 
I, I'm with you. The third down conversion, and it was like Tom Brady. He knew. He was like, I just have to get right there. If I just hit this one receiver, he's just beyond the 10-yard line, and boom, we've got four more downs. And yeah. that was to me he was cheated, Tom Brady's style. He cheated Trent Taylor like Julian Edelman. That's exactly how he treated Trent Taylor. And Trent Taylor obviously fits the role very well. And he even has similar size, you know, to Julian Edelman. And they were kind of a match made in heaven all day today. Yes. Yes, they were. And same with Marquise Goodwin. You know that they were they were 14 for 14. He was 14 for 14 yes. with, when, when, with those two guys. Uh, his accuracy. And he was just threading the ball right between the defenders, exactly where just the receivers could get it. Even those two big passes that were pushed out of bounds, he had the, he had the, he had the, one, he had the one in the corner for the touchdown, and that was to, who was that to, Ray? Was that to Selleck? Do you remember, do you know the play I'm talking about? No, was, I know, I do, I do know the one, the one pass that was really great um, that I'd really like to see happen again was the perfect look, even though it was a little bit of a wobbly throw, he was basically, he got flooded out of the pocket to his right, Jimmy G, and then he's looking downfield, they're in the red zone, and then he, he throws on the run to the only spot that George Kittle could jump up and get the ball. The only problem was that he caught the ball and then landed out of bounds. But other than that, A, it was a good catch, but B, it was an amazing throw. Even though it was a little bit of wobbly, it didn't have the, you know, the nice spiral that most of his throws have. But I thought that was amazing, too. I was like, wow. I was like, his ability, that, that was on the run out of the pocket, and it wasn't even a perfect, the, 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 I guess the torque in the ball wasn't very perfect, but the placement of the ball was absolutely perfect. I was like, that is amazing. I was like, this guy's really good. Yes, yes. Now, no, that's what I'm talking about. There was two different plays that, that happened once in the end zone, and then I think you're talking about the other one is that Kittle play. Both were just amazing. And both those go, those catches were, those passes were great. Those were great. And he did. He could he put the ball exactly where it needed to be. He knew exactly who to go to to make sure that we got another set of downs. His third down conversion rate was fantastic. And it, it was and this is the, the the two key words of the day. The two key words that I think every 49er fan leaves with is accuracy and just calm. He was so calm. And I've heard this word, I've read it, I've read three or four different articles since since the game. Uh, you've said it, I've said it. It's just the word I keep thinking. He was just so calm. He just, nothing rattled him. And you were, like you're saying, flush to the right, flush to the left, get out of the pocket, boom. Dink, 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 dink. I, I just haven't, I haven't seen anyone do that. In the last 10 years, I haven't seen a single quarterback do that. I have not seen that happen from Alex Smith to now. I haven't seen a single quarterback do what he did today. And this is what gets me pumped. You have... You have Jimmy Garoppolo, who has spent three years behind the best quarterback of the modern era, under the tutelage of the best coach of the modern era. He's just been there for three years. Now he's come to San Francisco and has joined who joined forces with Kyle Shanahan, who many believe to be one of the most progressive and if not the top offensive mind in football today. And now they're together. Just just saying those words and thinking about that implication to me gets me so pumped about the future of where this team could go and who they can be. Because they could be 
they could be the Belichick and Brady of tomorrow. Now, I'm not I'm not saying they're going to be. I'm not getting all hot takey and like getting like overly faithful and thinking that the whole world is going to be different and this is going to be the greatest run of all time. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that the ceiling for these two guys is very, very high. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, next week we're going to, you know, next week we'll be a little bit, uh, you know, we're not going to be playing a really formidable team. Although offensively, they're not bad in certain areas, but uh, defensively, it'll be much pretty similar to what they faced uh, today. Well, it's going to be a great test. It's going to be a really great test. And but that's yeah, the thing, I, though. But it's 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 the it's the right. Those are the exactly the results that I want to see, because here's the thing. A rookie quarterback will struggle against a middle of the road defense, whereas a good quarterback should dominate a middle-of-the-road defense. An, an above-average quarterback, which Jimmy G appears to be, even in his short sampling, even in New England, going all the way back to New England and San Francisco, even in the short samplings we've seen, he appears to be very, very competent and has a extremely tight skill set that is that's polished it's it's polished we we can see what happens when a quarterback sits for several years learning under a good quarterback they typically do very well we saw that with Aaron Rodgers under Brett Favre we saw that with Steve Young under Joe Montana and now it looks like we're kind of starting to see flashes of that with Jimmy Garoppolo who was under Tom Brady those that's typically a good recipe for success you know you're you're learning how to be the best by watching and talking to and learning from the best i mean it's 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 pretty sound and it looks like it's paying off on film because he beat a middle of the road defense a top 15 pass defense that actually stuffed us in the run carlos hyde had 17 attempts for 54 yards matt Breda was 12 for 45 so combined they grinded out 90 plus yards you know even jimmy g had a couple of runs but the point is that we we didn't necessarily have a dominant run game. I know that Carlos Hyde had that big 18-yard run, but that was later in the game because we were, we were winning a time of possession battle, so I knew that sooner or later we would just have to keep pounding the football because sooner or later they would break down in the second and third levels because they were just going to get they were going to get gas. We kept forcing three and outs while while our offense kept sustaining long drives and converting on third down. That's this that's what teams had been doing to us prior to today's game is we could not sustain drives because we just didn't have a quarterback who could really get those conversions that we needed. And we had self-inflicting wounds, and we kind of avoided some of those costly things. We didn't avoid them in the red zone, but we did avoid them, you know, outside of that for the most part. So, you know, the because think about it. We had – how many penalties did we have today? I believe we had uh, – we had – I'll tell you. Let me – I'll tell you right now. Uh, we had – uh, we, had eight, we, had, we had eight penalties, right? So we had eight penalties for 53 yards, but five of those were in the red zone. So that that's what I mean when I said for the most part they were in the red zone. The other three were in other parts of the game, but most of our penalties came when we got into the red zone. Holding costs, pass interference, block in the back, ineligible man downfield. You know, those are the types of things that just drive killers. You know, it wasn't that the defense was doing great. It's just we screwed up, you know, and we, we botched the play. So that's that's all going to get cleaned up, I feel. 
um, for the most part. We also had Joe uh, Trent Brown back on the right side to protect Jimmy G's, uh, you know, front side, and then we had Joe Staley obviously protecting his black, his black, his backside. So that obviously was huge too. So a better pass protection today. Everyone kind of seemed to step up a little bit. Not to say that they weren't putting that effort forth with uh, C.J. Beathard and Brian Hoyer, but. I think people understand the implications of what Jimmy G brings to the table. And as a result, that kind of helps motivate them to kind of step up their game because, you know, this this only works. You know, it only works when all 11 men are doing their job, regardless of how good Jimmy G does. He still needs the other 10 men to do their job, too. So and and that was what we saw for the most part today. So I thought it was great, you know, and it's it's hard not to be excited about this. I'm very curious to hear what uh, what. um. Greg Papa says tomorrow on 95.7 The Game because he he's even though he's partial to the Raiders for obvious reasons, he is still very, very kind to the 49ers and very, very appreciative of good pass passers. And I think it's hard to deny the job that Jimmy G showcased today. It It is. An, and your excitement makes me excited because, you, I, like I said, I, you're just the greatest fan in the game to me. So if you're pumped and, and you're seeing what I'm seeing, then I think it's a good thing. The let's talk about a little bit about the unsung hero of the team this this evening was I thought the defense. The defense only allowed one touchdown the entire game. That was huge. They really stepped it up. Special teams, they really screwed it up. They almost cost us the entire game. But the defense, I thought the defense made a fantastic showing today. What did you think about the defense? I mean, they literally completely shut down Chicago for four, basically three straight quarters after that one touchdown. Well, we stuffed their run, which was great, which means that we forced them to be a one-sided team. So we're forcing a rookie, you know, now now the, the tables are turned where we have a competent veteran quarterback and they have to, and we're going to, ch- we, we basically force the Bears to say, hey, beat us in the air with your rookie if you want to win this game. And they couldn't do it. You know, I know he, he was sacked twice. We were sacked twice, you know, but uh, the pressure was there. The running game was not there. Mitchell Jabriski still has a long way to go, obviously. And, uh, you know, that's why he was 12, 12 for 15. I mean, that's that's efficiency in terms of percentage, completion percentage, but only for 102 yards, you know, and just he had the one touchdown. Yeah, I get it. I get that part. But other than that. Very, very ineffective. And on the running, on the running side of it, you know, they were completely shut down. Uh, Howard, uh, Howard had the Trubisky had the second most yards of their running attack with 19. Their their top running back, Howard, he only had 38 for the day. And Cohen, their speedster on special teams, he had five yards. That was it. These guys barely cracked 50. So. You know, when you do that and force a team like that with a rookie quarterback to be one-sided, you know, you're going to give yourself an advantage and you're going to force a lot of three and outs. And so I basically, basically I saw today, I saw the tables get turned. What had been happening to us all year finally happened to another team and we were able to capitalize on it. Even though we were playing from behind the whole time, we are playing from behind the entire game. But I just kept saying like, okay, I was like, they keep getting three and outs though on the bear side, which means sooner or later that defense is going to bend and allow us to catch up. Which they did because we sustained drives throughout the entire game and were able to put up field, enough field goals and keep them off the scoreboard offensively t- to the point where our field goals ended up being enough to win the game. <clears throat> so well, that was huge. About, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a second, too. Uh, Robbie Gould 
we got him from the Chicago Bears. I really can't think of a better... I don't know if I've ever seen a better revenge game for a kicker going back into to the team that let him go. He went in there and literally single-handedly scored every point for us and then won, did the winning field goal to end the game. Yeah, he was huge. I mean... And I know that he was very bitter. He was very bitter about leaving Chicago because he had been there for over a decade. His family's there. So I understand where he was coming from. He was, I think he kind of got blindsided by the, uh, the, the leaving the team. So, I mean, it was kind of a, a nice little revenge game for him. You know, I mean, it's not you know, I guess he took it a little bit personal, but who, I mean, but who cares? It was, it was at, it was to our advantage, you know, at their expense. So that was, that was, it was a cool little mini story. Um, and it was kind of poetic the way it panned out that we couldn't seem to, you know, buy ourselves a touchdown. So we kind of put it in the hands of the person that, you know, the, the team, the team we were playing gave up. Yeah. And it was great. It was great to see. I thought that, yeah, I thought that was a nice little story. For Robbie Gould, the defense played awesome. Marquise Goodwin, let's talk a little bit about him. He looked amazing today. I, what, what, where Jimmy Garoppolo, where he put the ball for him and what he was able to do, that's the, I've never seen Marquise Goodwin play like that. I mean, he hasn't really had the opportunity. I mean, and think about, like you said, think about all the drop balls he's had. But, I mean, Jimmy G made him look like a god out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's the thing, though. So, I, I noticed that the play calling changed with Jimmy Garoppolo in there. Um, I don't, I can't necessarily get too specific with it, but the point was I noticed that our third down conversion play calls were slightly different from some of the ones we were calling with CJ Beathard. And I'm going to keep it general here and broad just for the, for, for the sake of our audience. And, but the reason why it was like that and why I noticed the change I'm not, um, is because I think that, Kyle Shanahan understands that Jimmy Garoppolo adds uh, another layer of, you know, of dynamic play to the offense where the point is he can start to open up the playbook a little bit more, take a little bit more risky, you know, risky plays, take a little bit more aggressive play calling because he has now a quarterback who's competent enough to make those plays happen. Whereas before we didn't. So we kind of stuck to bread and butter or, you know, really tried to get plays to that would that play to the strength of who our quarterback was, you know, and Brian Hoyer and CJ Beathard. But Jimmy G just kind of adds another layer. And as a result, I kind of saw the playbook change a little bit today, you know, and obviously that's going to change naturally because he doesn't know everything that the previous two quarterbacks knew because they knew the entire playbook. Of course, Jimmy G doesn't probably still doesn't have the whole thing memorized in terms of the terminology, the plays he's obviously familiar with. If he knows, he know, you know, it's just the name of it. That's, that's tough. Like, Hey, if, if you, give out a half a dozen named play, you know, he might not me- remember exactly what that means, but if you were to actually explain what the routes are and stuff, he would know all that stuff by the back of his hand. It's just the terminology that's different. At least that's what Jeff Garcia said when he was talking about the difference. You know, it, it is more complex, but it's more complex in a terminology versus what's actually happening in the play, um, where it's more, that's more obviously quintessential NFL. So, um, it's great. Uh, it was great to see that because I'm like, oh crap! I was like, that. This means that Kyle Shanahan's going to start to add more wrinkles into the playbook as we progressed, you know, from the remainder of this season into next year. I was like, and that's going to make things even more. It's going to make things even better for the offense. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo distributed the football to eight different players today. 
that's crazy. I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's a sign of a very good quarterback who, when if his first read is unavailable, has the ability to find his other his his other reads in time before the pass rush gets to him. So exciting. That's another thing. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So let's go back to the playbook. This is great. You know, when when is the last time we were, we've been able to sit down on the Goldcast and just talk about all the fun, awesome things we saw the 49ers do? It's been so long, right? It's usually like a handful. Like, oh, there was a couple good plays that were good, and hopefully they can build on that. And whereas today, we kind of had four quarters of it. <clears throat> yeah. So let's talk about that, though, Ray. So let's talk again about potential. Think about this. He's only working on one month of time with the playbook. We're still working with a limited set. He, We're still working, even though you're right, probably what Shanahan's doing is he's kind of going left and right and up and down, and he's going other places he can't go with anyone else. Let's say, let's just pretend. Let's just say Bethard knows 50 plays, right? Garoppolo, he probably knows about 25 plays. I'm, I'm just inventing numbers, like, but I'm just saying the relative difference is that he is working with a much smaller set of plays. Now, they're probably more, they're obviously not probably they're obviously more dynamic and cater to the larger uh strengths that he has but can you imagine this one when i said we're going to talk about potential can you imagine when he knows the entire playbook what what he's going to be and what he's going to be able to do that's going to be yep. crazy and i want to see him starting start to let it rip uh in those deep bombs that you know CJ and Brian Hoyer were doing I want to see some of those plays start to open up. So, I mean, we did see attempts to that. There was, you know, the the nice mid-range throw to George Kittle out of bounds. There was the the deep pass, 33-yarder to Trent Taylor on the third down conversion. There was, you know, a couple a couple of short uh, intermediate passes to Marquise Goodwin. So, you know, the they they are they do exist. You know, Marquise Goodwin, you know, caught the 20-yarder. You know, Garrett Sell had that 22-yarder. Kyle Juszczyk had the 16-yarder. So those are good intermediate throws. But I want want to see, like, the 40 and 50-yarders. I want to start to see those guys. That's going to be pretty exciting when he starts to really let it rip. I agree. Man, This the potential's there. Goldcast Nation, 49er faithful, let us all, for just a moment, bask in the glory of a good win. wasn't perfect, but it was a great start. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he came out today, and he was the truth. And 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 I'm really excited. And I think that we have the proper, we have the coaching in place to hone this. And he has the experience. It's you know like with Cap and Harbaugh, we were never big fans on the Gold Cast of Greg Roman. We were always very critical of Greg Roman. And uh, Cap had the athleticism, but it 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 started to become pretty obvious very quickly that. There was some of the basic mechanics that I, the IQ wasn't always at the same level as the talent. And this isn't a bash Kaepernick. We love Kaepernick uh, on the gold cast, and we appreciate everything he ever did for this team. But we're just, I'm just talking about the differences between them. You know, Cap, Cap didn't have this kind of vision downfield. Cap struggled with his checkdowns. Cap struggled with going through his reads. But he had raw physical athleticism that was so high that he was able to overcome that, but then eventually defenses caught up to him. And unfortunately, we didn't have, I didn't think we had an offensive coordinator in place that could really cater to his strengths in the way that they, the way they kind of groomed. Like, I mean, you look at a game, you look at the game Russell Wilson had tonight and you see how far he's evolved from where he was 
2012 and 2013, and they really catered to his strengths for a long time and still do, and that allowed him to progress at a rate where he slowly evolved and worked on the things that he was lacking in those initial years. He was lacking a lot, a lot of similar things to Cap at that time, but that we, we didn't really do that with Cap. We kind of forced him to be something else. Now, here in 2017 with Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like a perfect storm. He has, he has the IQ. He has the athleticism. He has the experience. And now he has a coach that can hone it and take it to the next level. And like I said, it's a wonderful marriage between the two. It's a perfect storm right now. This, this combination, we haven't had this. We haven't had this in a long, long time. And all I'm hoping, my hope as a 49er faithful, I just hope that we can find protection for him. He can stay healthy. And that, not, and that next year we can come in and build off of what I hope to be a much a better ending than a beginning to this season. I'm not going to say that we're going to win on the rest of our games. We might only win one or two more games. I think we're going to win maybe two more games. But having said that, there's just a lot of potential there. And it's a perfect storm. Like everything, everything kind of fell into place for, for Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo to now be on the same team. And it's just special. It felt special today. That felt really different. And I was, I like you said, it's really hard not to get excited. And uh, I'm gonna be the first in the gold cast. I'm not. We're not sitting here saying, hey, they're gonna go, you know, undefeated. We're gonna we're gonna win the rest of our games. We're going. We're gonna quest for six. I'm not saying any of that. We are at the rebuilding phase. You've got to keep the humility and the reality of what the rebuilding phase means for the San Francisco 49ers. We had, I'm not going to name names, we had people texting us at, at by halftime, oh man, I, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed where this game is going. We're like, it's only halftime. The defense only allowed one touchdown. Special teams really screwed up on that punt. But outside of that, this team's been playing real strong. So the potential's there. It's really exciting. I think I don't know about you, like the I watched football for like man most of these most of these games I'm just so bummed half the time I'm like barely paying attention to football and I just like turn it off like or I won't even watch the rest of the week, the, the day I will I'll like I'll check in I'll see the highlights I'll do some red zone but like when the Niners like lose and it's like a really crappy game I'm just sometimes I'm just not nearly as motivated to watch the rest of football but then it was so good. I just like sat and just enjoyed the NFL for the rest of the day. And I was like, oh my God, I remember this is what it felt like during the Harbaugh years. Like we have a great game. We, it was, it's a good solid win. I can just sit and just kind of bask in the glory and just watch where all the other teams are and kind of think about what it's going to be if we have to face them in the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. And we're not there today, but it was that kind of feeling where I was like, man, I'm just able to relax and enjoy football and not kind of feel the, the weight and the pain of another loss by the 49ers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. So, and you know, I think uh, they got a legitimate shot to win next week. I think they truly do because you know some of our guys are healthy. You know, Solomon Thomas was back into the lineup this week. Uh, Kella Witherspoon was there. I know we have a couple of rookies in the secondary, but we also have Eric Reed, the veteran, who had a good game today. You know, uh, Ruben Foster continues to be a tackling machine. Um, he's not lighting up the sacks and interceptions and forced fumble, but goddamn, he just flies all over the place and just continues to lead the team in tackles. You know, every he's single so game, good. Um, he's so he's good. averaging almost ten ten a game. So he had seven today. 
Um, but that was three more than any other player on the defense. So this guy is just going to get better, you know, and he seems his health has seemed to finally stabilize, which is great because uh, he was pretty rocky coming out this year. But uh, he seemed to finally stabilize himself. So I'm just curious to see what happens in in Houston because that's going to be going from, you know, the Chicago Bears are the worst passing offense in the NFL with Mitchell Trubisky, and now they're going up against Deshaun Watson, who's a much more capable passer. And as a no, result, Deshaun Watson's out. Remember? No, Mary Torres. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, the, it's Tom yeah. Savage then is it right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure it's, it's yeah, Tom it's Savage. Tom's- yeah. So this is a team that statistically is hovering right around the same, uh, you know, stat as we are. In fact, Niners are seventeenth in the league. The Texans are the sixteenth. So they're going to be facing a passing attack that's about as capable as we are. Um, only I don't trust. I would trust Jimmy G over Tom Savage any day. So as long as you know, but if you give Tom Savage protection, like any quarterback, you know they're going to do well. So it's really going to be up to the secondary to kind of hold down that coverage, and also for the pass rushers to get some sacks for God's sake. So Thomas, you know. Thomas and I know Dumerville does really good on third downs, but we need more than just you know third down rush rush specialists. We need some guys to get first and second down sacks. So really hold that. You know I'm not afraid of Houston's rushing attack. You know they are a top ten rushing team, so they're obviously going to depend on their rushing game to really set up their pass and drive their offense. So if we can do what we did to Chicago, then you know it'll be a long day for Tom Savage, which I think will boast in our favor. You know, but defensively, um, this is a team that is not as defensively sound as Chicago, believe it or not. They are against a run, so I do expect them to kind of do the same thing that Chicago did to Hyde. I expect those same results to probably happen next week, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Breda and Hyde could have better games, and they could do even better than what they did against Chicago. But this is a top-10 rushing defense. But on the passing side, this is the 22nd-ranked defense in the NFL, which is several positions— the passing attack for Chicago is like 15, so middle of the road. This is below average now. We're getting into the 22nd thing. So that means that if they take away our running game and force Jimmy G to, to beat us with his arm, that means that theoretically he should be able to carve these guys up. So it'll be another opportunity for a for what should, what I expect is that against a subpar defense, especially in the secondary, I expect a player like Jimmy Garoppolo to shine really well because that's what he's shown us so far. Boom. So, Raymond, here's the question. Vegas odds, what do you think is the spread? What is it? Who's the favorite and by how many? But don't give me a, don't give me a range. I want an exact number. What do you think? What do you think it is? What's the, what's the, uh, What's the spread going to be? What is it? Seven points. So, uh, Niners or Texans? Texans. Ooh. No. Vegas doesn't trust Houston at all. They give them the lead. They say Texans by one and a half. Now, here's the question. Do you take that bet? No, you do not. I think the Niners win again, and I think Jimmy G puts on a performance. Only this time, he gets into the end zone at least two times. So, what do you think? What do you say? Niners by how many? I say Niners by a touchdown. Boom! Niners by seven. Vegas says Houston by one and a half. Raymond says Niners by seven. San Francisco. Here we go. Congratulations, Jimmy G. You did fantastic. You get the game ball. Special teams, you kind of punched us in the balls. 
not cool. Let's not do that again this year, this next game. Raymond, I think they'll be all right. We are we are the best uh, we are the best uh, special teams coverage team in the NFL. So uh, I'll, I'll let that mistake go and expect them to do to step up next week. <clears throat> that was the wake up call, you know. Like yep. maybe they got a little complacent and faced somebody that was a little bit more dynamic than who they faced uh, previously this season, and so that was the wake up call. But now they're going to go back to being the top coverage team in the NFL next week. There you go. I like the optimism, Ray. Sounds very faithful. Now, Ray, before we finish, why don't you let them know, where can they find you? You can you can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. I'm also on Instagram at Ray Solis1. Boom. You can find me on Instagram, Rudy Solis3. You can find me on Twitter, Rudy Solis3RD, Rudy Solis3. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis3, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next week. Game two. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. Here we go. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time. Same gold cast channel. This is is the gold cast.